everyone. Welcome to New Point Community Church. Thanks for joining our podcast today. We pray that this series and this message inspires you to grow your faith and builds your relationship with Jesus. Enjoy today's message. Good morning, New Point. How are we doing? Good. Life change does not happen in rows. It happens in circles. That's proof. That's proof. That's really the church. We gather on Sunday morning to be able to celebrate and worship together, but really, that's the church. That's how Jesus birthed it 2,000 years ago. And so I want to talk to you about it today because we're in this series called Getting It Right, The Road to Your Next Step. And here's what I want us all to know. You get to choose whether you follow Jesus or not. He's given us a free will, but we do not get to choose how we follow him. He sets that course. And so we've been talking about steps that he calls you and I to in this invitation that he gave 2,000 years ago, and he's still giving it today, and that is come and follow me. Now, why is it worth following Jesus? Because we know that Jesus makes life better, and he makes us better at life. And following Jesus is all about spiritual transformation because it's a relationship. It's not about you and I following a set of rules or tradition. No, it's about a relationship. And when we follow him with all of our hearts, then there's a transformation that takes place in you and in me. And that's why it's so important that you and I understand that, you know, coming to Jesus is not an event. Coming to Jesus is an invitation to follow him, to take your next step in your relationship with him. And so 2,000 years ago, Jesus said to a group of people, come and follow me. And so spiritual transformation is essential. It's not optional. If you're not being transformed, if I'm not being transformed, if someone is not seeing a difference in me, then basically we're just religious people. We're a part of a club, but we're not following Jesus because it's a continual transformation. It's a process, not an event. And it's God's work but he requires you and I to participate. We're co-workers with him. And so it involves experiences. It involves relationships. It involves practices and disciplines that helps me to be able to develop this intimate relationship with the one who created us and died for you and me. And so we can't compartmentalize our life. You know, Jesus isn't just interested in your spiritual life. He's interested in all of our life. He doesn't want just part of me. He wants all of me. And so we need to understand that he invites us into this relationship. And all of it takes place in community. All of it takes place in a relationship. He's a relational God, and he's created you and I to be in relationship, expressing love to one another. And here's the good news. It's available to every single one of us who desires it. You see, your faith is personal, but it was never meant to be private. Y'all okay? 
Well, my faith is private. You're not following Jesus. It's personal, but it's not private. And what happens is this relationship with Jesus is is gauged by my capacity to love God and my capacity to love the people around me. And so it's not superficial. It's not some external checklist that, that I go through, okay? It's none of that. And so let me ask us a question today. What do you think God's dream is for humanity? What's, what's God's dream for you? What's God's dream for me? What's God's dream for New Point? One word. Let me give it to you. It's this. It's community. It's community. You see, community is not something that we as human beings thought up or created. It's not just a social phenomenon. It's something that God gave birth to you and me. It's something that he created for you and me. And only in community can you and I really experience all of Jesus, all of Jesus. If you want to experience all of Jesus, all of God, then you have to be in community. That's the only way that you and I can enjoy the life that God has for us. You see, God himself is in community. We see it in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He created community. He lives in community. It flows out of who he is. And so when God created mankind, what did he say? Created Adam. He said, it's good. And then he looked around and then he said something else. He said, oh, but it's not good for what? It's not good for man to be alone because he created us. He gave you and I the DNA to be able to relate to one another. And so God is a relational being. And so today we wanna help you take your next step in following Jesus with this, connect, connect. We, We want to encourage you to connect with a handful of people. And so beginning today, our groups kick off. And it'll kick off until September the 11th. And you can go to newpoint.org slash groups and you can begin to to explore groups of where you can connect with. And if you've been in a group a while, I'm gonna challenge you to be a leader and stretch your faith and lead a group and watch God use you in incredible, unbelievable ways. And so we believe that God wants us to connect with him connect with others, and then help other people connect to him. Now, this can be scary. I understand. You know why? Because you're concerned about your image. And so what happens is we live in a world of where image is more important than integrity. We live in a world of where comfort is more important than character. And so what happens is we get this image management thing going on and and, and we want to manage our image. And and what happens is we want to convey that really life is going much, much better than it really is. And there's a strong tendency in you and me to want to be known. We want to know, we want to be known, but we're afraid to be known. And you and I will never experience God in all of his fullness, unless we are known by some other people. It's just that way. Transformation will not happen until you and I acknowledge the truth about ourselves. 
And sad to say, often the church is the last place in which we demonstrate this. You know, we, we get into image management at church, don't we? And that's why sometimes we don't feel like going to church. I don't feel like playing church today. I, I, I'm tired of, of trying to project something that's not going on in my marriage, in my family, in my life. In my, you all okay this morning? And why is it? Because it goes back to, to Adam and Eve. Look at what Genesis says. The man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Kind of a rhetorical question. God knew where they were, okay? But he asked you and I those questions because he wants to see if we will be honest with him, okay? Goes on to say, he answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. And so I hid. Wow. Wow. And so what happens is because we're afraid, we hide, and yet there's something inside of us that wants to be known. And what we have to understand is community is just people who are struggling in life, who do stupid things. Anybody did anything stupid this past week? I did. Huh? Absolutely. Anybody here say anything foolish this past week? I did. And what happens is community is really nothing more than getting together with a group of people and just being honest and saying, hey, you know what? I said something stupid to my wife this week and she's mad at me. <laughs> Can you pray for me? Can you help me? And what happens is you just come back and you know what you do? You do it again and you do it again and you do it again. It's a place of where people don't have to pretend. You can be honest. You can be genuine. And that's what Jesus had when he birthed the church. And so humanity is no longer, okay, denied, but transformation through community. I, I no longer deny my humanity. I no longer deny that I'm a fallen man. And I do stupid things sometimes. I say foolish things sometimes. And this is God's desire for all of us. It's the key. It's the key to transformation in the world. You see, Jesus prayed this prayer 2,000 years ago. He said, I pray that they will be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. I pray that they will also be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. Wow. He says, Dwight, he says, hey, church, you really want the world to know that, that I came into the world not to condemn them, but to save them? then what I want you to do is I want you to be one with one another, just like the Father and I are one, how we live in community. And when they see this, they will truly believe that I was sent into the world because they will have never experienced anything like this. And so what does it look like for you and I to live in community? I want to give you a couple of things to help us, okay? Here's the first one. It's to know and to be known. It's to know and to be known. We're more into casual acquaintances. Would you agree with me? We're more into Facebook, all right? Because what happens is we can control that. But Jesus had something different. 
in mind. He, he wants us to go to a deeper level of where we're not wearing masks. We're not disguising ourselves. We're, we're not into this image protection that is so common today. He wants you to be known. And you know what? You long to be known. You want to be known. You're just afraid of what might happen if you are known. And so community is to know and to be known. And James, the brother of, of Jesus, knew this so well. Matter of fact, he wrote about it when he wrote these words. He says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Wow. When's the last time you confessed your sins to somebody? Hey, you know what? Last week I drank too much. Hey, you, you know what? Last week I went to a website I shouldn't have gone to. Hey, you know what? Last week I lied to my boss. Hey, last week I, you see what, what happens is we're called to do this. We're called to do this. Confession basically is saying that I acknowledge what I've done that is wrong, both negative and positive. And, and I share it. I share it with somebody, not in an inappropriate way, but I find a group of people that, that I can talk honestly with without having three glasses of wine. I just talk strictly out of courage. And I just say, hey, you know what? Here's what's going on in my marriage. Here's what's going on with our oldest son. Here's where we're struggling at work. Is there anything more countercultural than that? I've done this with a group of men before. I've gone to the, the whiteboard and I said, I want us to name our sin, our fear, our joy, and our hope. And I said, I'll go first. I'll name my sin. I'll name my fear. I'll name my joy. I'll name my hope. I'm going to sit down. I'd like for you to pray for me. You okay? You know what I told these men? I said, men would line up around this building to get in this group if they knew that it would be confidential and it would not lead the room. You know why? Because we as men, we struggle to be known. We want to be known, but we're afraid because we protect our image. And so James says, therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for each other so that you might be what? Healed that you might be changed, that you might be transformed. And I, I know what we're saying. We're saying, Dwight, this is too risky. I'm not saying that you have to be inappropriate. I'm not saying that this comes easy. I'm saying that it's worth the effort. It's worth the effort. Because here's what most of us do, okay? We confess to God and then we continue to pretend. How's that working for you? That's eating your lunch. That affects your emotional and mental health because you weren't made to live that way. I wasn't made to live that way. When, when was the last time you were vulnerable with somebody and transparent before them? Something current. I'm fearful. I've got this addiction. I've got this family challenge. I've got this work challenge. And then they stopped and they prayed for you. I want that for you. Nothing more powerful than to share a need or a hurt or a sin or a struggle. And then somebody says, can I pray for you? That's life-changing. That's 
community and something happens within us. And I want this so bad for you. I got this. I don't have any secrets. I've worked hard in in developing some relationships. I can't handle having secrets in my life. As as dumb of some of the things that I've done and said, I, I can't contain it within me. It's toxic. I need to confess it. And to be able to have somebody pray for me and say, hey, I'll walk with you on that. And then maybe next week I come back and I did it again. And they pray for me. Look at what James says. He says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Listen to me. You'll never truly feel accepted by God until you feel accepted by another human being. You just won't. You won't. See, see, listen, you can't have intimacy in God without having intimacy with other people. You just can't. And so if you're a follower of Christ, this is a step that you need to take. You need to be able to do it. And it won't happen unless you invite somebody into your life. And you say, hey, you know what? I'd like for you to walk with me. I'd like for you to, to, to help me. I'd like for you to encourage me. Because you can't do this without another friend, another person, two or three or four of you, and you just can't. You see, spiritual and emotional and mental health, okay, happens in the environment of transparency and vulnerability. And if it doesn't happen, it won't bring healing to you and me. So it requires you and I to make ourselves accessible. I, I know what some of us would say, well, Dwight, I'd like to be a part of a group. I just don't have the time. How's that working for you? It just doesn't. See, Paul says this. He says, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. How? By prayer. By prayer. And what he says is incredible next. He says this. He says, carry one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. He says, this is how we fulfill the law of Christ. This is how we follow Christ. We develop some relationships where we can be honest. And we just share our heart. And then somebody says, hey, you know what? Can I pray with you? Can I pray for that? And God begins to do some unbelievable stuff in our lives. And he strengthens us. And so the first one is just to to know and to be known. To know and to be known. Let's look at the second one. The second one is to love and to be loved. And you'll never get to the second one until you do the first one. Because many of us don't feel loved. You know why? Because we're not truly known. We're loved for our image that we have portrayed. We're not loved for who we really are. And when I say to be loved, I'm talking about more than just being liked, okay? I'm talking about true love. Jesus said it like this. He said, I give you now a new commandment. Love each other as much as I have loved you. God knows everything. He knows every stupid thing I said this past week. <laughs> he, he knows every dumb thing I did this past week. And guess what? He loves me. But for me to be able to experience it in the depths of my being with somebody that I've never seen, I need to be able to experience it with somebody that I can see who he's living in. And so 
Jesus goes on to say, for when you demonstrate this same love I have for you by loving one another, everyone will know that you are my what? My true followers. What did he say? Father, I pray that they will be one as you and I are one. Basically, I pray that they will interact with one another the way in which we interact. And, and, and my friends, this is so countercultural. And this is what our society hungers for. This is what, listen, mom and dad, this is why it's so important that you're a part of a group. Patty and I have always been a part of a group. Always been a part of a group. I don't know how we would have made it if, if we would not have been a part of a group. And we want our kids to do that because we know that our kids struggle. They struggle in life. They struggle with acceptance. They struggle with feeling loved, all of that. And so we have to model the way. We, we have to be that example for them. And so God's plan for community is that you and I would be known so that we can truly be loved for all of our faults, all of our shortcomings, even the sin that so easily entangles us. And this is so countercultural. And when you and I do this, I'm telling you, it's attractive to people because you know that you long for this. You're just afraid. You're scared to be known because you're afraid of judgment. And that's why Paul said, you who are spiritual, you who are led by the Spirit, restore people gently, lovingly, help them to get back on track. Because here's the fact, we all get off track. We all blow it. Okay? We all mess up. The question is, do you have a group that'll help you get back on track? Here's the third one, and that is this, to serve and to be served. To be served and to serve. Now, we would much rather be served. Would you agree with me? I mean, that's just our society. That's our culture. And you say, how do you know that? Well, when we experience substandard service at the restaurant, we're saying, I'm not giving them 20%. They didn't serve me well. I might give them 15, I might give them 10. Maybe I won't give them anything. And we feel that we deserve better service. So it's not in you and it's not in me to naturally want to serve other people. And so community gives you and I the opportunity to practice this, to serve one another. Paul writes it like this. He says, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who what? Taking the very nature of a servant. And, and so part of community is, is that, and we saw that in the clip, part of, the, the, of community is serving one another. Even people who think different than you, who vote different than you, who dress different than you. That's, that's why relationships are so, so, so important. God wants to grow you to be more like Jesus. John writes of this experience when Jesus literally lived out what Paul said. He says, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you a what? Example that you should follow. Wow. That you should follow. And he tells us that we will be blessed if we do that. So we need a group of people that 
we can know and will know us. We need a group of people who we can love and who will love us. We need a group of people who we can serve and who will serve us. And then we need a group of people who we can celebrate and be celebrated with. How rare to be genuinely celebrated, right? I, I mean, let me just ask you a question. Do you, do you have anybody in your life that you feel free to tell them of the great things that happened to you? Or do you say, honey, we, we better be careful in what we share. We wouldn't want to make anybody jealous. Y'all okay? We, 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 we wouldn't want to make anybody think that we're tooting our own horn. And so what happens is we're not even free to be able to say, can I tell you what happened to me? And to know you'll go, Man, that's unbelievable. That's great. And not, that never happens to me. See, what happens is you long for somebody to celebrate you because we all want to be celebrated. And yet it's so hard to find people who will truly rejoice over what's happening, what's going on in your life. And yet Paul tells us, he says, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who what? Who mourn. This is countercultural. I'm telling you, it's countercultural. That, that's why Jesus has called the church to live in community. Be, because what happens is when you are people who know one another, love one another, serve one another, celebrate one another, what happens is you and I now become contagious. You know what people say? I want to be a part of that. How do I get in on that? How can I experience that? So let me ask you a question. Are you there? Does anybody know about the trouble that you're experiencing in your marriage? With your health? With your finances? With that addiction? with that challenge at work, anybody? If not, you know what? Here's what I know. Satan is having a lot of fun with you. And he's enjoying every minute of it. You see, it's my prayer here at New Point that we would be the church. Not go to church, but be the church. And that we would lead the way. And that we would be a place of where we would lead people in taking their next step with Jesus so that they can experience authentic, genuine community, the way in which God designed us to be. You see, this has always been a struggle, though, for mankind because we're into image protection. This is why the Hebrew writer wrote this. He says, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards what? Love and good deeds. Dwight, do you always feel like loving people? I don't. I'm sorry. Pray for your pastor, okay? I really don't always feel like I want to be kind and loving. Sometimes I need to be spurred on to do that. Dwight, do you always feel like serving and doing good deeds? No, I don't. And so I need to be around people who will challenge me, who will say, Dwight, come on, man, let's go. Let's, I, I believe you can love better than that. 
You know what, Dwight? I, I, I believe we can make a difference here, the one another's. And so the Hebrew writer says, you know, let us spur one another on. Have you ever experienced the spur? You know, kind of a little agitating, you know, that gets you moving. And he says this, he says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. See, if I'm not meeting with people who love me enough to spur me on to love and to do good deeds, then what happens is I become complacent. I become religious. And the problem with that, my spouse picks up on that. And my kids pick up on that. And so today, I want to encourage you to get connected with a handful of people. It's essential. I want you to experience this because it's essential. I want your kids to experience it because you know what? Your kids are going to go through a lot. They're going to go to college and they're going to experience a lot. See, see what happens is this, you know, going to church will not change you. Do you know that? Because if going to church would have changed you, you would look a whole lot different. Because here's, here's, I love this quote. This is from Andy Stanley. Content consumption is not a substitute for community. It's just not. Doing life alone will never transform you. It'll just make you more judgmental. Do you know that? It'll just make you smarter. Ooh, she knows the Bible. Ooh, he knows the Bible. I bet you can't stump him but there's not much love in him. There's not much grace in him. Because you know what? He's not known. He's an image protector. And there's no substitute for community. You might read the daily. I hope you do. You might have a devotional plan of where you read the Bible and you pray every morning. I'm happy for you. I'm glad. But if somebody doesn't know you, you're not following Jesus. You're not following Jesus. Because following Jesus is to be known by a handful of people and to live in community. Imagine with me, just imagine with me, if in T County, if in Wayne County, if in Stark County, if in Holmes County, if in Coshocton County, if in Guernsey County, if, if we would begin to to meet together as people and to be able to say, you know what? We want to be known. We want to be loved. We, we want to serve. We want to celebrate. Can you imagine what would happen? The word would get out. And people would begin to ask you at work or maybe at your son or daughter's ball game, how you doing life? I'm ready to quit. I've thought about ending my life. And you can say, you know what? If it wasn't for a handful of my friends, I'd be there too. But I got a group of people that I meet with on a regular basis. And you know what? We're honest, we're transparent, we're vulnerable. We even pray for one another because we all have issues. We all have challenges. We all struggle. And I guarantee you, you know what they'd say? Can, can, can I come? 
I, I long to meet with a group of men who are honest. I, I long to meet with a group of women who are honest. And so today, Jesus gives you and I this invitation to follow him, to get connected. He had 12 he did life, life with, and then he called them to do life with a group of people. New Point, our kickoff is today, all the way through September the 11th. You can go to your lobby. You can see it out there. Talk to somebody. Be intentional. Push past your fears, and I promise you, you won't regret it. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you today that you've never called us to do life alone. You've created us in your image, and you're a relational God. You live in community. It's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And you've called us now to live in community, and that's, that's how we flourish. That's how we thrive. That's, that's how we make it through life. And yet we know that the enemy wants to give us all kinds of reasons, busyness. What are people going to say? What are people going to think? to keep us from this. And I just pray that all across our campuses today that we would see your goodness and your invitation and that we would embrace it and our life would never be the same and our kids would pick up on it as well. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to know more about us, please visit our website at newpoint.org. There you'll find past messages, parent resources, times and locations to all of our physical campuses, or you could just download our app at newpoint.org app. There you can find all those same resources just in a mobile version. We want to say thank you again for joining us, and we'll see you next time.